All right. Good morning, church family. All right. Great to uh, see each of you with us today. Uh, just uh, grateful for God's gift of the church and our ability to gather and encourage one another. So we're here for that purpose today. If you're visiting with us and you would like any uh, contact information, we do two things every Sunday. We have a fellowship time in the back. You're welcome to stay and sharing some snacks, coffee, tea, whatever you like. Uh, so we want to encourage you to do that. That's just a great place to connect with folks from our church family. And the second thing we do is we have a connection desk just to the right side out as you go out this, uh, the back end of the uh, sanctuary. And there's a place there where you can sign up, you can uh, request information, request contact with one of the pastoral team members, any way that we can help you out, okay? We're here for that purpose, and uh, we'd love to see you get kind of blended into the chapel family. So we're grateful for your presence. Uh, you'll notice in the uh, bulletin, I think we have the piece in there, Christina, on Joey Sforza's ministry. So on the back of that, there's an update on an occasional basis about missions, organizations that we support. That's a particularly encouraging uh, note of God's working in someone's heart ever at Stevens University where Joey ministers. So we want you to be aware of that. And that's also meant to be an encouragement to your own personal walk, right? And your own seeking to make the name of Jesus known in the sphere of influence that God has given to you. So that's there for your prayer. Uh, do want to request uh, this morning just really specific and uh, committed prayer uh, on behalf of Linda Matthews. So her physical condition this week took a turn for the worse, uh, found a number of uh, uh, lesions on her brain. Uh, she's been battling cancer. There's, it's metastasized, and uh, she's in a difficult place. Uh, so we uh, we love this family and want to ask for God's healing uh, on Linda. So just really want to encourage you in prayer for her. And uh, the other thing we are going to do is start uh, getting some meals. And on the chapel email list, there's a meal train on there where you can sign up and uh, have an opportunity to share a blessing in, in a way that, I know a lot of times we all want to help, but it's just not always possible. But this is a way that you can pitch in and help out. So I want to encourage you to, you know, take the gifting that God has given you. And if it's cooking a meal to help someone out, unleash that gift and use it uh, to bless this family. Okay. Uh, Christina, can we send out an e a mail mailing address for them on the church email so that if people want to send cards to uh, Linda, they can do that, okay? Just thinking that'd be a really beautiful thing that a lot of you do a great job with as well. So uh, I want to lead you in prayer. I want to read from Psalm 91 before I do that. Would you stand with me as we do this? Psalm 91 said, he who, says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he, it is he who delivers you from the snare of a trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his wings and under his wings you may seek refuge. He, his faithfulness, his faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Let's pray together this morning. Father, your word tells us that you are our covering in our seasons of struggle. And Lord, even in times when we don't realize it, you have covered us with your wings to protect us. Your word, Lord Jesus, says how often you 
long to draw people under your wings and some would not. And so Lord, my prayer this morning is that if there are folks here this morning who have heard your call but have been resistant, I pray that by your word sung and spoken, you would, you would tear down our resistance, Lord. And you would give us a heart that we have never had before, and that is a heart that wants to draw near to you, a heart that is changed by the power of the Spirit of God, that hears the call of God and draws near. Lord, I pray over our friend Linda this morning, God. Uh, she's had a tough week, a hard week. And we trust that your goodness would become manifest and evident to her in ways that words defy. A sense of peace, a sense of trust. God, please pour that over Linda and the entire family because it's been hard on all of them. For Timmy, we pray your, your great blessing and strength as he seeks to love his wife. And for the kids as they support mom, God, just pour your favor over them. Let them sense your presence and your covering of protection in this season. And for others, I know for the Patriarcha family, they had a loss this week. God, we ask that your presence would be with uh, Mike and his family as he walks through the loss of his sister. Uh, pray your blessing over them. Pray for the country that we live in, Lord, that you would give us favor that we do not deserve. How desperately, God, we need you. And I pray that our leaders across the board, irregardless of party, would sense and know their need of you, your favor, grace, wisdom, direction, truth. God, we pray that over our country today. Thank you for each one that's here, Lord. For those that are visiting, I pray that they will get a clear view of what we're about. And I pray that, pray that we will clearly represent you and glorify you this morning in everything we do. Magnify your name. Bless as we sing your praises this morning, God and use it to minister to our hearts. A word of comfort, a word of encouragement, a challenge, whatever it may be, clarity about the gospel, God, you know our need. We trust you to work today. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship him together.
open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb, and every knee will bow before Him. Sing, who can stop? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb, and every knee will bow before Him. Hitherto thy love has blessed me, thou 
has brought me to this place, and I know Thy hand will bring me safely home by Thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, He to rescue me from danger, interposed His precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face, full of waiting, blood washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry, bring thy promises to pass, for I know thy power will keep me till I'm home with What if you had never come to save us? What if you had never given grace? It was love that held you there upon the cross. It was love that led you to the grave. Thank you, Jesus. Forgiven, I've been set free. Oh, the power of Christ in me, my Jesus, my victory. Oh, the promise of Christ in me. What if hope 
that never conquered darkness, and the storm had not been rolled away. It was love that poured into your lifeless lungs. It was love that raised you from the grave. Yeah, forgiven, I've been set free. hail our Savior. All hail our Savior. Praise Him forever. Jesus has overcome. Dying to save us. Rising to raise us. There's no one like our God. Sing that again. Lift it up to Him. Lift it up to him. Forgiven, I've been set free. Oh, the power of Christ in me. My Jesus, my victory. Oh, the promise of Christ in me. of Christ in me. Oh, the promise of Christ in me. May we never get over the wonder of forgiveness. We've been set free. We've been made your children. And as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, we will spend all of eternity unpacking the wonder of your grace on behalf of us 
through your Son, empowered by the Spirit. Lord, we, we look forward to that. Father, guide us now as we look into your word. Calm our hearts. Let us focus. And may your Spirit do his good work in our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So Children's Church, uh, children five to eight years of age, you can be dismissed at this time and go to the back and be happy to work that out with you. Um, so, there we go, good. So a couple things, though, before we jump up. You may be saying, hey, uh, Finkbeiner, I don't like your new glasses. <laughs> and just so we're all on the same page, I don't either. So I had uh, cataract surgery on each of my eyes, one this past Thursday and one the previous Thursday, and they, they, it's, just, it's incredible what they can do. I mean, they put in these special lenses after taking out the cataracts that they can adjust with ultraviolet light through a laser and, and make my vision even crisper and better. I mean, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, anyway, here's the problem. Until he does that, if I'm out in the sunlight, the sun can do that. And who knows where I'll end up then, you know? So if you see me out there wearing sunglasses, it's not because I'm trying to be a movie star, okay? It's just, I'm doing what I'm told. So just, and so I can wear these in here because there's no outside light. And so just work with me. And if I'm going like this, work with me because I got these crazy little bifocals on here and trying to, trying to figure it all out. But um, for anybody that prayed for me, thank you. Uh, it, surgery seemed to go very, very well. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Genesis chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 9 in our time together today. Um, and and one, one, one little kind of shout out. So technically our series finishes, uh, you know, we finished chapter 11 today. But Tim is actually going to take us for uh, two weeks and kind of run the story through the Old Testament to Jesus. I'm not sure exactly how he's going to do it. He's got two weeks to do the whole thing. So that'll be a fun thing to see. So, and then, then we're going to be starting a new series on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so we're really looking forward to that series, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So that's kind of where we're, we're going. And one other shout out. Um, we started back with Sunday School. And um, please come on out. It's not too late. We just started today. James is teaching on, James, is it harmonious living? Yes. Harmonious living. So that's, we all need more of that in our lives for sure. So that, he'll be meeting over there. And then I'm teaching through uh, the book of Romans, Romans 1 to 8 in the classroom back there. So please come on out, try it out. If it's not, if you don't like it, you don't have to come back, but give us one shot maybe, you know. <laughs> We'd love to have you. I have to admit to you, I am not a uh, country um, singer fan terribly. I, I, I'm not opposed to country music. If you love it, if it's your thing, God bless you. Um, I just, it gets a little twangy for me sometimes. I'm just, I, I'm sorry. I, I, you know. But if you like it, it's fine. God bless you. But um, one of my friends was sharing a song with me that I found was really interesting. It's written by somebody called Lady Antebellum. Does anybody know? Okay, there you go. I had no idea who she was. Okay. It's a group. 
Well, that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. So this group called writes this song. When I listened to it, there was a woman singing it. Anyway, whatever. She must be the lead, whatever. But the song is called I Was Here. Can I, can I just read parts of it to you? It struck me as interesting. You will notice me, I'll be leaving my mark, like initials carved in an old oak tree. You wait and see. Maybe I'll write like Twain wrote. Maybe I'll paint like Van Gogh. Cure the common cold. I don't know, but I'm ready to start because I know it in my heart. I will prove you wrong if you think I'm all talk. You're in for a shock because this stream's too strong. And before too long, maybe I'll compose symphonies. Maybe I'll fight for world peace because I know it's my destiny to leave more than a trace of myself in this place. I want to do something that matters. Say something different. Something that sets the whole world on its ear. I'm going to do something better with the time I've been given. And I want to try to touch a few hearts in this life and leave nothing less than something that says, I was here. Amen. Well, I haven't commented on it yet. <laughs> and then ends with something like this. I was here. I was here. I was here. Outside of that song, you still see that a lot with folks, don't you? And here's a question for you. Is it wrong to want to do something significant? Not necessarily, is it? Uh, is it wrong to uh, want to live in community? Um, be secure. Accomplish things in life. No, no, not in and of itself, necessarily. Matter of fact, the scripture will talk about the fact that we are stewards of God, won't it? Well, does a steward not seek to accomplish something for his master? The, the, the scripture will say it's not good to be alone. God is for community. The scripture will talk about spreading out and trusting God and not being, finding your security in him. Here's the problem. What happens when people pursue all these things without God? Because you were never meant, you were, you know, you were made a certain way. You were made a worshiper. You were made a meaning maker. You were, you were made a steward. You were made all these things, uh, somebody to accomplish something. But never apart from God. And if that becomes our life goal, and he is either redefined or excluded, then we have a major problem. When I was in high school, one of the, and I, I don't know if you, if you guys, where did I put that thing? Oh, there it is. You know the Invictus? Um, by Henley, Hensley? Henley, sorry, Henley. Um, you know, out of the night that covers me black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. 
And he goes on and he ends by saying, it matters not how straight the gate, I don't care what those religious people are saying, how charged with punishment the scroll, whatever. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You see, when these ways that God has actually designed us under him become end goals for us, then you've moved into the terrain of sin. That's not just unique to our day. That's always been the problem with humanity from the beginning. And when we come back to Genesis chapter 11, um, what you're going to find, ah, is technology wrong? Hey, I really love these implants they put in. Don't you? Well, maybe you don't, but I do. <laughs> you ought to do it sometime now. But, but technology is not necessarily wrong. It, it can be. It can be directed incorrectly. But God has made us to be people who subdue the earth. It's when that is done apart from him. So in Genesis chapter 4, are, are cities wrong? Is it wrong to live in a city? No. But can cities sometimes be places where you can live without God to try to make life work? Yeah. Yeah. Like all the way through the scripture. But city in itself isn't necessarily bad. So we're going to read about things. We're going to read about technology and we're going to read about city, a city and so forth. It, it, so we, we want to kind of understand it in light of the way the writer is telling us about, but it's not like he's saying technology is awful, cities are awful. That's not what he's doing. Watch what he's doing. He's talking about a world that lives as if there is no God. Or, perhaps worse, a world that establishes and creates its own God. So, when you come to this passage, and what's nice is it's only nine verses. So like, how long can I possibly be on this one? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll. So there, there's, there's background. There's a problem. There's a solution. And there's a conclusion. And the conclusion maps onto the background and the solution works right off of the problem. So it's just kind of, it's, it's a pretty neat, little passage for a variety of reasons. Um, in chapter 4 of Genesis, do you remember when Cain is sent away from God? And one of the first things he does is he builds a city and names it after his son. And again, not wrong in and of itself. It becomes wrong when that becomes my place of security and purpose and meaning. It's about us, not about him. Does that make sense? So you've, we already see this pattern earlier in the book of Genesis, and it's going to come up again here in Genesis chapter 11. So notice what the text says. I'm reading from the uh, ESV. Now the whole world had one language and the same words. Um, it's just background. 
it's going to stand in stark contrast to verse 9. Because in verse 9, you're going to find the complete opposite. But he's just, he's just saying everybody spoke the same language. I have to tell you, wouldn't it be nice if everybody in the world spoke English? I mean, if it was like, you know, Hungarian or something, we'd all have to learn another language unless you speak Hungarian. I mean, so, so one level, it'd be really convenient if you, everybody spoke the same language, it seems to me you get a lot of stuff done. And at this time, and this, this event probably takes place around 200 years after Noah has been given a command. Remember the command Noah has been given in chapter 9, verse 1? Be fruitful and multiply and what? Fill the earth. I don't want you all doing this. I don't want a herd. I want men and women who trust me and expand out and utilize technology and all that, but for the good and under my lordship, I want you to spread out like this. And it just gives you background. There's a temptation here because everybody speaks the same language. And what's the tendency if you all speak the same language? <sighs> right? When God has made it clear, I want this. I want you gone out. Verse 2. So as people migrated from the east, and, and just, I don't want to get Hebrew, too Hebrew-y here, but in the Hebrew, you could legitimately translate this as, as people migrated from the east, which means they would be going what direction? West. Or you could translate it as people migrated eastward. And I think eastward's probably a better way to understand it. Okay, and so you'll see Bible translations will go on. It's, and, and it's just the Hebrew, you, you can, grammatically, you can understand it both ways. And what's interesting to me about the eastward is this. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the angels were where? What side of paradise? On the east side. Which means people were, people went east. Adam and Eve went east. In chapter 4, when Cain is cursed, guess what direction he goes? East. And so this may be Moses' way of just letting us know as you're reading this. When it says, so you have these people, so the people migrated eastward and found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there, you're going like, do, 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 do. You see? Because you already have this eastward thing there. Tends to me when people go east, they can do, you know, it, it may indicate that they're walking away from what God intends. And I think that's what you find in this passage. Verse 3, they find this plain at Shinar. So here's the problem. You know, it's kind of true. I can read that, but I got to kind of, I'll read it this way. Okay. But honestly, this matters. I told Don before I had this surgery, even with glasses, I couldn't read the back, the back thing. I always had to turn and point like this. And that, the reason I did that was because I couldn't read that. Now I can read it, but this thing's in the way. So I got to go like that. I should be shorter, Don. <laughs> so I, I can kind of read it, so whatever. Anyway, so I'm still back here, whatever. Um, and you're going to find that in verses 2 to 4, mankind unites in rebellion against God's design for humanity to fill the earth by creating gods in its own image. So as to find security and significance in pursuing its own glory.
Does that, does that, is that only what happened in Genesis 11? Oh my goodness, that is so common in humanity. So look at what happens. Verse 3. Uh, they, they, they came to the plain of Shinar. Now, hope, hope you can see it. You see that kind of that red circle on the right there? It says Shinar, the land of Shinar. And it just means this. The group had come together and, and, and probably, there's some debate on this, probably it was under Nimrod, who we read about back in chapter 10. Because he was this mighty hunter. He was this really influential guy. And he built Babylon which is where they're going to actually be building is Babylon. And so, so Nimrod's a real significant guy. He speaks language. My guess is he's pulling everybody together. He's thinking he wants to build a big name for himself. People are thinking the same thing. We'll connect to him and find... Doesn't it drive you crazy sometimes with politics? How people think, if I can just get close to that senator or that congressman or that person, I'll find my significance through them and blah, 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 blah. Tries you crazy. We're coming into election season, so look out. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's the way this stuff works. So anyway, they come to Shinar with a clear command that God wants them to fill the earth and to move out. And they're saying... I don't care what Yahweh says. I'll have it my way. And we're going to do something very different. And here's what's interesting. It's not like they had no religion. Rather, they had the false religion. Look at what the text says. So then they said one to another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Because there, there's not a lot of stone in that area. I, I've never been there. My wife and I were farther northwest um, when we were over in Iraq one time. So I've never been quite there. But that, 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 that Nineveh plain, um, there's just a lot of agriculture that goes on there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sweet place. Now it's dry. They have to do other things there too. But nonetheless... That's really significant. So they're moving. They're going like, this is a great spot. I know what God said. We'd have to trust him. Like, whatever. No, 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 no. We're going to come together. And look, we'll use our technology. And we will burn. We will make our own bricks. And they did. And then we will use tar for mortar. And they did. And they started building walls. And then they started saying, okay, okay. We're religious people. So we're going to build a tower. And on the top of that tower will be a temple. And maybe you've seen some of this. Um, what is called a ziggurat. Have you seen these? And this, from what I can tell, this is a model on the left and then the actual remains on the right. This is the best um, ziggurat that remains today archaeologically, and it's in Iran. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, but, but really, really, really interesting. And it goes way, way, way back. But here's what's important. It wasn't like Nimrod and his buddies got together and said... And merely said, I know Yahweh said this, but we're going to do this. Rather, they got together and they said, let's create our own God. So, 
They weren't trying to usurp the gods. They were trying to create their own god. They would build this ziggurat up into the heavens. You know, it, it only runs about, I don't know, what, what, this one here, I think they say it runs about 150 feet. So it's not that high. But on top, there was a temple. Let us go and let's create our own temple. And we can have our own gods who will give us a thumbs up on things like, you don't have to disperse. You, you can stay right here. You, we can create gods in our own image so that we can pat our back and say, we're religious. We're just not for Yahweh. And that's exactly what they did. And that's the problem in the passage. Technology is not bad, necessarily. Cities are not necessarily bad. But in this case, the technology was used to build cities and, and false religion against Yahweh, and that was sin. Do you see the difference? That was the problem. So what does God, oh, let me read verse four, sorry. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower, a ziggurat, with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. I was here. And they could have wrote that song. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. We don't want that. Yeah, but God said, I don't care what God said. We don't want that. We want the city of man rather than the city of God. And that's exactly what they do here. That's the problem. And here is the solution in verses five to eight. I love this. You want to see irony? <laughs> Look at verse five. Uh, and, or you could translate it then. Then the Lord came down to see the city in the tower. I love that. Uh, I, I want you to imagine for a second um, that ants can speak. I know they can't, okay? And I go home today, and there's this little ant colony that has built something about this high. <laughs> they are so proud of themselves. I mean, they worked hard, and, and, and they're united around it. And, and, and if I could hear them talk, they were saying things like, we want to be human. We want to have victory over the humans. We will conquer all humans and blah, blah, blah. An ant's life. You know how that goes. Or, or something. I mean, you're going to like think about it. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and, and I could stoop down and just go. And then what happens? They run all over the place and start all over again. When the Bible says God came down, don't think of God like in some panic mode. Oh, no. They may make it all the way to heaven. Cigarettes were, weren't that high. When the Bible says God came down, think of God stooping down. It's irony. We're going to build this great ziggurat, put a temple at the top and make our own gods. And God stoops down and says, what in the world are you guys doing? You see? So the Lord God came down to see the city and the tower, which the sons of man had built. So the Lord said, 
behold, they are one people. And they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, was God afraid that they could actually usurp his authority ultimately? Is that what he, is God going like, oh, oh? No. God knows that when men are left to their own devices, they will continue to spiral out of control and everybody will be de devastated because of it. Look at the flood. So it's not like God is like, oh man, oh man, they're going to be as good as me. God knows he's built them with ingenuity. He's built them with the ability to do technology. God has built humanity a certain way. And he knows that they will pick up that technology, they will disobey him, and they will cre be, create a world that will be devastating for everybody that follows after them. And God, you know, God's judgment in Genesis 11, I like to call it a, a gracious judgment. Because it gets people out where they're supposed to be. So what does the Lord say? So the Lord said, Behold, they're one people, and this is, this is only the beginning of what they will do. How many ziggurats would they want to build? What else, you know, could be all kinds of things. And so nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. They've got ingenuity. I mean, they're not going to be like me, but they're going to be self-sufficient and self-centered. Do you worry about that at all in our day? Look, um, like when I go on the computer now, and like I start to have a question... You know, that Bing AI, man, just comes right up. It's trying to finish my whole, not just my sentence, my whole paragraph. Sometimes I'm going like, no, be quiet. You'll X out of that thing. I'm not, you know, whatever. I mean, having said that, will, will AI have any benefits for us? Well, it, it really great for medical records, I suppose. And I, I mean, there's some things robotically that I think it could be really helpful with. I know in education, there's all kinds of problems. I mean, we're having all kinds of issues we have to deal with on plagiarism. And um, Carmelo, I think we were talking about that recently at some one of our get-togethers. But you know, whether it's a high school or college, I mean, we, we, we struggle with these kinds of things. Could it be used in a very nefarious way that would be destructive? For sure. It's always the way it is with technology. It's a yeah, boom, kind of a thing. So God knows that they could do all kinds of interesting things, but it won't ultimately benefit them because it will lead them away from him, not to him. Verse 7. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language. Remember, kind of a play on words back in verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower. And now what seems to me to be Trinitarian language. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. So they left off building the city and building the ziggurat and everything else that went into it. Um, God, God took a group that wanted to do this. Can you see those arrows pointing in? 
Okay. God took a group that wanted to do that, and God did this and dispersed them. Because he hated humanity? No. Because he knew what is best for humanity. And he wanted to put them in a place where they would have to depend on him and trust in him and live for him and all those kinds of things. Now, it didn't go so well. Fair enough. But it was still part of God's intentions. And then we have the conclusion in verse 9. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. It was kind of interesting. In one of the ancient Near Eastern languages, it's called Akkadian. Um, the word that sounds very close to Babel means gate to heaven. But in the Hebrew, <laughs> it means confusion. And so he's just, phonetically, he's just doing a play on words on this one. They're, they're thinking, I mean, they were building, we will develop our own gate to heaven and create our own gods and do our own thing and all that stuff. And God says, let's call it confusion as I disperse you. Now, best I can tell, Nimrod went on to build other cities and do other kinds of things with a group of people that he could somehow communicate with. However, but it wasn't this massive kind of we're all going to live in this area. God in his grace often intervenes in history so that humanity follows what he has designed for them. You know what's often scared me? You know in Romans chapter 1 where the Bible uses the term God gave them up? Remember that? And, 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 and in, that, in, in that context, it means God gave them up to the sins that they were engaging in. And when God gave them up, that is a form of judgment. When people say, I am so free. I can do anything I want. It is so great. They're not. God has given them over to their own desires, and they're spiraling out of control. When God gives people up, that's a very sad place to be. And in this passage. God loves humanity enough to say, my gracious judgment will put you, position you in such a way that at least for some of you, you will be looking upward rather than at each other. Now, I just want to hit a couple things with you, and then I'll close. See, this is pretty good, right? I told you. So here, here's kind of the, the, the proposition, and then, then I want to just talk through a couple things with you, and then, then I'll be done. While mankind seeks to unify in defiance of God for its own glory, God graciously intervenes to curtail humanity's rebellion and further his divine will. Was that only Genesis 11? No way. That happens again and again and again in history. For God is the author of history. And, and I mentioned up there, think about languages in the Bible storyline. So you have Babel, confusion, where people are pushed out and they're all speaking different languages. Think of Pentecost. What happens at Pentecost? 120 people. 
are in an upper room sitting there waiting for the Spirit to come. And when the Spirit comes, it looks like tongues of fire. And all of a sudden, it'd be like if I was there, all of a sudden I, I start speaking Parthian. I'd be like, I was there, I'd be like, whoa. I'd like, I never even took, uh, what's that, that thing you take at school for languages? Well, one's called Babel, but uh, there's a bunch of them, but whatever. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, the text tells us in Acts chapter, what's that? Yeah, 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 something like that, yeah. So, and, and what happens is, um, in, in Acts chapter 2, Peter, not Peter, Luke actually then records all the different people that are at Pentecost. And they're from Rome, and they're from Parthia, and they're from Africa, and they're from all over the Roman world. And people come out of that upper room who have never spoken foreign languages before, and all of a sudden they start speaking the language of those individuals who have come for Pentecost. Perfect. And they understand exactly what they're saying. I thought language was a barrier. I thought language kept you. It does unless God intervenes and is creating his church. And so God reaches out to all these people groups and people that speak all kinds of different languages and he brings them together around the Holy Spirit, around Jesus Christ to further the purpose of the church. And Paul has this mission and it's to reach everybody he can on this westward swing. And when you come to the book of Revelation, chapter seven, remember what it says? Standing before the throne, the text says, people from every nation and people group and language and tongue will be there in praise to God. So the God that disperses because he knows what humanity does when they come together in such a way that they exclude him, he brings them together. He saves them. And one day, they will all stand before him and in a united way, they will praise God in their languages. You see, it's Babel turned on its head. So you can look at language. You can look at the city of man and the city of God in the Bible. If we had time, it'd be really fun to just track all the stuff that you learn about Babylon because there's a lot. But here's what I find to be really, really interesting. When you come to Revelation 17 and 18, Babylon is the description of the key city that stands in complete opposition to God and the Antichrist is completely in support of it, at least initially. And if you track that, Babylon, you watch it through scripture and you hear about the judgment and then you find this ultimate, the ultimate climax of the city of man is Revelation 16 and, uh, 17 and 18. And all of the immorality and all of the pride and, 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 and it's all there. Greed, it's, just, it's all there. And God destroys it. And he talks about the city of God. The new Jerusalem coming down so that God could dwell among us. And in the scripture, everything that's lost is more than recouped 
because of the work of God. So my question for you is to think about your own life. We have college students in here, high school students, got moms and dads and singles and people involved in business and all kinds of things. I guess my question is, whose name is most important to you? Because you know what I worry about in my life? I worry in my life that there are times I buy into the world system around me. And I, in a very subtle way, all of a sudden, it's about God working Finkbeiner's side of the street so that Finkbeiner can get what Finkbeiner wants and people can think, Finkbeiner, yeah! It's true, I hate it. It's true though. My guess is it's true of you too. In the scripture, God's spirit is constantly at work in our heart, reorienting us, saying, no, it's not that I want you to sit around and do nothing. I want you to do it for me. I want your, wor your world centered on me and my glory and then go out as a steward and do the best job you can at work and love your kids and go to school and do all this, but you're always oriented to him. And you're saying, I want your name to be great. I just want to be your steward that you say, well done. My brothers and sisters, that's the way we should live. Not building our own kingdoms. Not building the city of man. Not, goodness sakes, not building the city of Finkbeiner. Nobody would come. Maybe my wife. I don't know. <laughs> Couple of my kids, I don't know. But the city of God, who will come and dwell with us forever as he brings people from every language group imaginable in through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you know him, let your world, let your world revolve around him. If you don't know him, would you bow the knee to Jesus Christ? Would you trust in him as your Lord and Savior and know what true freedom is all about? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your word is never antiquated in its application. It speaks powerfully to us. We read stories like this and we see ourselves. We know the, the tendencies of our own heart. And yes, you've made us to be men and women that accomplish. And you've made us to be men and women to be in community. That's all true. But Lord, help us to do it for you. By you. For your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, this brings us to our uh, communion service. Um, I love the communion service. It's, it's a time when we celebrate the only one that can turn Babel into Jerusalem. Isn't that true? The new Jerusalem. It's Jesus Christ. And so... When we take the cup and eat the bread, there's nothing magical here. I mean, you, know, nothing, you don't take it and...
it's a time for us to remember afresh about the wonders of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. So brother and sister in Christ, think much about the cross in Calvary as you take the cup and you eat the bread.
you stand and sing with us? of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only strange and divine I can sing all is mine yet not I but through Christ in me the night is dark but I am not forsaken for by my side the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley He will lead. future sure the price it has been paid for jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave to this i hold my sin has been defeated jesus now and ever is my See, I am free, yet not I, but through 
us. It is Christ who strengthens us. It is Christ who comforts us. It is Christ that is inviting you in. Uh, it's a family meal. When we take it, we show that we're part of God's family. When we take this cup and eat the bread, we look back to what Jesus did for us on the cross, but then we look ahead uh, to his glory when we will see him in eternity. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took a cup and a bread, and he gave thanks. And he said this, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Father, today we, we heard of how often it is that we take the ingenuity, the gifts, the talents that you've given us to do something to exalt ourselves rather than to exalt you, to make a name for ourselves rather than to make a name for you. Lord, please forgive us for that rebel that lives inside of us. Lord, I thank you for Lord Jesus Christ, your son. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. We thank you for the fact that though he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he came here not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. We thank you for his precious work on the cross, his broken body, his shed blood. So today, Father, help us to focus on glorifying you and doing things for the good of others so that we could reflect your son today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close? 
from 2 Corinthians. It says this, The grace of our Lord Jesus, and the love of God, and the fellowship of our Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed week.